Hey there, plant crew. I'm Emily. Hey, I'm Maddie. Today we're talking about Christmas trees. Christmas. I guess we should go ahead and start the Christmas episode then, huh? Merry Christmas, guys. Yeah, Merry Christmas. I Happy Turkey Day. Happy Turkey Day. <laughs> I have looked forward to doing this episode probably since we started. I am a Christmas Yeah, we've been, we've been waiting a solid month for this. Oh, gosh. If not longer. If not longer. I mean, I started in July, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I mean, Christmas is just my favorite time of year. It, it's, oh, just... The lights, the trees, the, the smells, oh, the smells, the, the cold weather, the food. I, I know you with the cold weather. The food, just everything, just gives me all the good feels, all the good feels. Even the wrapping, the gifts, you know, like people talk about how like Christmas, buying Christmas gifts stresses. No, I don't let it stress me out. I have a damn good time doing it too. I think one of the things you and I have both had in common is we are live Christmas tree girls. Like, we want our trees living and fresh. And tonight we're going to talk about our just general types of Christmas trees. So a lot of people don't know that in the off season, a lot of the nurseries, they sell cut Christmas trees. Uh, and It's actually a very profitable part of our year. And I, I dare say it gets us kind of through the winter. Yeah, so we've, just in nursery life of, of working at one, we've been prepping now for several weeks for the Christmas trees to come in, and there's a, a lot of prep work that goes into getting the floor set, um, getting all the plants that we do over winter in their spots, and then Christmas trees come, and they come quick. So our first truck will come what is that, a week before Thanksgiving, and then we'll be really set and up, ready to go. And then right after right after Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, right after Thanksgiving. We'll get a few people who come before then. Yeah. But after that day after Thanksgiving, the floodgates open. For a couple weeks, yeah. yeah. And it's um, a free-for-all. Yeah. Really. Um. So I kind of wanted to, you know, obviously I'm going to nerd out a little bit on the history of the Christmas tree. I think. Earlier today, uh, we were planning for this episode, you were like, so are you going to let me like nerd out to like all the different types and things about them? And I was like, ma'am, so, you know, I'm going to nerd out about the history of them. (laughs) You were like, say no more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Okay, good. So. Guys, grab your popcorn or your coffee. Gather around, children. (laughs) I am going to. Plant crew, get ready. Get ready. Um, It's history lesson time. Time. <laughs> so, uh, going way, 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 way back, probably our very first what we could call a Christmas tree. So that is, in my opinion, bringing an evergreen inside the home for celebratory reasons. Uh, we go back all the way to ancient, ancient Norse uh, religion, and this is a time, uh, not just a time, but a place in the world where uh, winters are deadly. <laughs> And uh, Christmas, or what we think of Christmas as today, is really a celebration to get together and go, well, I had fun with you this year, and let's hope we all make it. But just in case we don't, let's celebrate. Let's have one last party together. Yeah, pretty much. Um, It comes at a time of the year. uh, Winter is in everyone's kind of, especially in this part of the world. People are hunkering down for the winter, and all of the animals are going to slaughter, except for, like, probably a few breeding pairs of things. So it's the, really the only time of the year that meat is really abundant, and mm. everything you've harvested is really abundant. So as it starts to get uh, close to the winter solstice, we start celebrating, and the Norse people decide uh, to bring evergreens inside the home as sort of a symbolism of life can proceed through the darkness sort of thing. 
Uh, this is also where we're going to start seeing the very first Yule Logs. Um, and these are not normal logs. They These are some big-ass cut-down trees uh, that are going into these giant fire pits in these Viking uh, Brom-style homes. And they're just partying up with, you know, what some historians probably say was a lot of hallucinogenics and Hey, yo. A lot of meat, a lot of wine, a lot of a lot of good times, and the whole purpose is to just really kind of remind you that while outside it's scary and cold and dark, um, inside everyone's together in being kept warm, and through the darkness, life proceeds. Really, it kind of goes on a lot through that. Uh, in Germany, kind of takes on their own thing. That's where. The turn, the Tannenbaum, that's German for Christmas tree. The very first, though, kind of English setting of a Christmas tree comes in the Victorian era, where uh, Prince Albert, Queen Victoria's husband, Prince Albert of Saxe-Coburg, introduces the very first Christmas tree in Buckingham Palace. And he brings along this great tradition, and it's everything that our modern sort of concept of a Christmas tree comes from. It's decorated in fruits and glass ornaments and uh, has little candles on it. Um, and he brings this tradition from what is now modern day Germany. And it's the actual invention of the very first Christmas card that gets uh, brought out to the people from Buckingham Palace. And it has uh, the uh, Queen Victoria and uh, Prince Albert and their children all gathered around the Christmas tree. And if you know anything about your Victorian history, that becomes in vogue. Like, it now is very fashionable to have a Christmas tree. And it's like mm. the very next year, everyone in England has a Christmas tree. Everyone kind of in that, what would have been modern time then, now has a Christmas tree. It later follows, of course, into the Americas and just all around the world. This also brings along around in the 1930s, 40s, we start seeing the very first fake Christmas trees. Um, and I figured that was worth worth pointing out because that is a really big jump as to when Christmas really becomes, starts being known as like the modern holiday yeah. we see as now uh, with electrical lights and things like that um, is kind of the invention of the very first faux Christmas trees. And these guys are cool looking. They're they're actually made of feathers. Oh wow! Uh, they're kind of wire, and then they take the tips of feathers and they wire them in, and you end up with what looks like a very kind of sparse Christmas tree that uh, comes around the uh, like I said, nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties period. And then really, there it's you know history takes on. We start seeing the first electrical Christmas lights, the first really like mass-produced glass ornaments and Christmas becomes into the wonderfully commercialized thing it is today. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. Uh, the one thing that I thought was really cool, which you didn't even say, but so I'll say it, was that it started with them putting candles on the light yeah. to yeah. to light it and then later down the road we have the light bulbs yeah. and so, lights. Um, actually, on that original Christmas card I talk about there is little little candles on Prince Albert's uh, Christmas tree and those would have been burned on Christmas Eve evening or Christmas Day morning, kind of depending on how they would have celebrated it. Um, the traditional German way to celebrate uh, is Santa actually comes on the 1st of December for St. Nick's Day. And then the actual big shebang, the gifts and all that actually comes with the uh, Christmas spirit, uh, kind of roughly translated Christmas angel here in America, as I think when we, we see her, that's kind of what we think. Um, but basically, the children go off into their rooms and they play games and they eat snacks and treats and whatnot. And then a bell is rang, and that's to represent the angel has come, she's left the gifts, and then they all run out, and the place is just wonderfully decorated. And, and and Christmas gifts are all around. Um, I think it's also uh, worth noting, I did actually look up one of the most famous Christmas trees. Uh, that would be the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. 
And I actually looked up the first one of those. Uh, it was a balsam fir, and it was only 20 feet tall. I say only because nowadays, yeah, nowadays, it's the, like uh, 80. Yeah, now they're huge. But um, if you look up original pictures of that, it had strong cranberries and popcorn <laughs> and stuff on it. And there are pictures of that original tree. Um, but yeah, the, the candles were always a thing. Uh, but Christmas trees as a whole, their life was very short. Uh, Christmas, traditionally, you would put up the tree a couple days before um if you watch the kind of famous christmas movie uh a christmas story you know you've got ralphie and he's he's beauty gun um if you actually watch and pay attention to that movie they really only put that christmas tree up like a couple days before christmas um and nowadays i know my family at least will be getting their live christmas tree like a few days after thanksgiving and it's gonna it's gonna live that whole time and i think that's just kind of incredible how we have bred these trees and we have all these kind of secrets now to keeping them alive because before you would buy a live christmas tree and it's basically tacked to a wooden x and it balanced on it yes all right so well do you have any other was there any other facts or or myths for the christmas trees uh yes yeah, so or I'm, history <laughs> so i'm pretty much up on the history okay. i would just encourage there's a really really wonderful uh like documentary put out by the history channel probably i think i remember first seeing it when i was my early teens so 13 but it's a it's a uh, documentary that's really kept up well so if you just uh youtube history of christmas um you're gonna see it. it's about a 45 minute documentary by the history channel and it's gonna kind of go over a lot of what i talked oh, about wow. it's, it's a really good one yeah, that's cool. Uh, but as far as myths about the Christmas tree, that was something I really, really wanted to talk about today because I am noticing more and more and more uh, a distaste for live Christmas trees, and it saddens me beyond belief. Um, I can tell just by the look in your eyes that you're just like, yeah, do what the hell. Like I, I get it if you're allergic to them, Absolutely. and we know people who are. And so, like, I understand, like, if that's the reason that you can't have a real tree in, like, I suppose you're allowed to have a fake one. <laughs> yeah, no, I <laughs> But, have... like, man, there be, there's nothing beats a, a real yeah. Christmas tree nothing that you cut it. down. Absolutely. Nothing beats a real Christmas tree. And like you said, there's nothing wrong with a faux tree. I grew up with a faux tree. My mother is extremely allergic to them. Not just that, but there is kind of an understanding that some people f physically, that's not a possible thing for them. Dragging a live tree into their house, um, the upkeep of it, there are people with special needs. There are just people who that's just not going to be a thing for them. Um, and so a faux Christmas tree really is a, a godsend for them. Uh, they have gotten better over the years. They've gotten better looking oh over goodness. the years. Yeah. Um, I know our nursery both sells faux and real, and our faux Christmas trees are way better than what I remember having as a kid. But for me, yeah. um, the first year I got to really see a real Christmas tree that was well decorated um, was when I first started dating the manager. And mm. his mom, my mother-in-law, Deborah, that woman can decorate a tree. I want to say I learned a lot of what I think of as decorating trees from that woman. And I kind of went, like, she would even tell you I went nuts with it. <laughs> like, I, I took it and ran, but um, that was my first experience with how- I expect nothing less. Right? Oh, yeah. That uh, that was really my experience and seeing what a live tree can really look like because before i had seen people who basically were keeping christmas bushes and they'd have like five ornaments on them <laughs> yeah no not my taste no. <laughs> no but yeah one of the first things i uh you know i kind of have a list of like myths on here that i kind of wanted us both to talk about today first one is safety and there's no there's no denying that you know you're gonna take this evergreen and you're gonna let it dry out in your home Right. Um, and it can be a fire risk, but with just common sense, that that risk is really, really minimal. So what do you have to say about that? I mean, so some of it is like plan ahead accordingly. So if you're going to be out of town or if you're, you know, going to not be able to water it, plan accordingly. And I say that as, okay, if you're going out of town... Well, maybe you can get somebody to come water it. Maybe you just take it down before you go. 
So a couple different things. Mm-hmm. That way it's not drying out and then just sitting in your house if you're not there. Absolutely. And then I know we'll probably talk about it again at another point was, but grab a stand that has the capability to hold water. That way, that way you are watering it. That way it's not going to dry out as quickly. Absolutely. And remember, like, uh, think about the size of your basin in that stand. Um, It doesn't have to be massive, but it should be deep. A lot of people don't have deep enough basins for their right. So like it should be able water. to hold like at least two gallons. Absolutely, absolutely. The other thing I really like to talk about is please, 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 if you're going to be doing a live tree, invest in some LED lights. So I do a mixture of both with my tree. Uh, my main set of lights, my whites, my my colored lights are LED. However, your girl is, is a vintage queen here. I love a good set of vintage bubble lights. They produce a lot of heat, though. So uh, what I will do is I have my LED lights on a timer. So they'll turn on in the morning. They'll stay on until about 9 o'clock at night. I also have a little remote with them, though, or they're operated by my phone. So, like, if I want to keep them on longer into the evening, I can. But LEDs produce very, very little heat, whereas these bubble lights are old-fashioned incandescents that have to heat up the water in the little bubbler. So those I actually only, like, I have to physically turn those on. And so I'll usually only turn those on in the evenings when my family and I are sitting around the tree and we're enjoying it and have it on and I can properly watch it. Because any kind of heat is going to dry that tree out more. I will say that just made me think, if you're putting a tree near where you have, like, an air vent or Mm -hmm. anything like that, or either above or below... And you have the heat cranking all winter long. You want to make sure to either close those or, if possible, move it away from that. Absolutely. Like, you don't want it sitting next to it to dry out what the tree What you're telling more. everyone is put on a damn sweater. Stop That's right. Stop running your furnace. <laughs> Stop running your furnace. Put <laughs> yeah. on a sweater. You got trees to watch out for. You got trees to watch out for. It better not be higher than 54. <laughs> oh, only me in my basement? Okay. <laughs> woman lives lives, lives in <laughs> the a arctic base- yeah she lives in a basement apartment one day like she sends me a picture a selfie or something we're joking around she sends me a selfie and it's we're talking it's like july we just got over like a 90 degree heat wave <laughs> and she is wearing a hoodie in her basement i'm like come on girl like don't don't be running the air like that. heaters like, heaters have been running for weeks oh, now yeah yeah no the last couple nights i've gotten home and i'm like <laughs> i'm so cold <laughs> Yeah, come to find out her basement, because of the way the, the upstairs AC runs, her basement's like at a cool, like, 50, 54. 54 degrees. My God, you are a polar bear. Do you realize that? You are a penguin-polar <laughs> bear hybrid. I've had to warm it up to, like, 68, 70. <laughs> but, yeah, sure, it's definitely warm for you. it's definitely cold. Yeah. You love it, though, don't you? I do. <laughs> your tree is going to stay really yeah. fresh. In the safety aspect, do you, we want to just go through the wa- more watering? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, like I said, like bu- buy a stand that can hold some water because you're going to have to top it off every day. Like it's something, it's a, it's a new chore that you have. Yeah, just topping it off. I think we want to mention there's a the guy we work with who had brought up something really important. Shad had said, uh, don't be watering your trees with cold water. You want to use, yeah. when, especially when you first water it, yep. you want to use really hot water. Kind of interesting. Warm, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, trees, like any other living thing, scab up. And especially these evergreens that produce a lot of sap. Super sappy. Yeah. And that sap will actually basically clog their stumps. And you their wanna pores. Use, yep. Yeah. You want to use some really warm water and sugar water yep. and get those juices flowing. Yeah. And uh, I will So, I mean, you can way. really, you can buy fluids that nurseries will sell it's or other places. But really, warm water, add a little bit of sugar to it, do a mixture. And then just keep feeding it that warm sugar water. Yep. It'll last longer. Absolutely. Also, keep in mind if something like getting down on your knees and watering the tree seems a little daunting. And to some people, it can be. Um, I know <laughs> at 34 and being a weightlifter, my knees are not what they used to be. Whoa, and so they have a product for <laughs> that do. now. They do, exactly. That's I so- saw them at work today. Yeah, yeah. So it's basically, I mean, honestly. A funnel on a giant stick. Yeah, 
So could you make your own with some PVC yes. pipe and a funnel? Yes. However, that being said, these are like... Do you want stuff. to do that? Yeah. No. These are nice and green colored and they'll blend into yeah. the tree. But yeah, yeah, get little things like that. And just remember, it's four weeks out of the year. Right. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. Yeah, have fun with it. Um, so the next one uh, of myths that I want to debunk today before we go further into trees is bad for the environment. Eh, totally wrong. That's not true. Live trees are better for the environment than faux trees. Honestly, the carbon footprint that they reduce just by growing them, just by having these farms, well, 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 well exceeds even even the gas and the petroleum needed to transport them. Right. I mean, there's you get we get so much oxygen from the plantations that are doing these, the tree farms that are doing these. Um, so there's definitely a lot of benefits to it. And because you have all these farms sort of typically on soil or places where other crops can't grow, then you have the twofold benefit of, okay, well, now you have trees and you have them enriching the ground as well. Absolutely. And like I said, nothing wrong with owning a faux Christmas tree. But just remember, they are made of plastic. Plastic is a petroleum product factories the factories that are needed to run these trees the factories the trucking that's needed to transport these trees and then let's face it you could buy the nicest faux christmas tree out there and i would encourage you if you do have to go that direction spend the money on a nice one with it'll be worth it it's gonna last a long time it's gonna look nicer right spend the money on good one but ultimately ultimately one day no matter how good care you take of it, no matter how repurposed you make it, one day that tree will be done and it will sit in a landfill and it will never rot. It will never return back to the earth. It will sit there as a petroleum plastic product for thousands of years. Now, I will go ahead and let you educate the audience on what does a real tree do when it's done for the season. So typically trees, obviously it's a organic material, so it's going to go back into the earth. But what happens, there's plenty of landfills and depending on where you live and what county, there's different places that will collect and recycle those trees. They're going to put it into a mulch. And I just found out there's counties so that, that collect the trees for, depending on where you're at, for like two weeks after Christmas, right before, um, or either right before January ends or right at the beginning of January. But typically that's going to get turned into a mulch. Residents of that county can get that free mulch back. What? Yeah, apparently that's a free thing. Free mulch? Yeah. Free mulch? Free mulch. Girl. So, look into that. I'll post a link. Um, I found a website that shows all the places that you can recycle your Christmas trees at, if you want to do that that route, for every county in Maryland. So, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll give that a post. That's wonderful. Um, but yeah, so it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna recycle. It's gonna biodegrade. So, mulch is the typical one that happens. But then other places that Christmas trees are used once they're dead, you can use it in a pond. Uh, it becomes a nice habitat for fish Absolutely. and algae and everything else. Especially, real quick, I do want to say, fish person speaking here, the usual, like, the pines, the firs, the whatnot, the actual, like, chemicals that the sap that what puts off um, for people who have any kind of koi ponds. And I'm talking much larger ponds. Right. Um, They're going to have to be sizable. Yeah. But, I mean, there's still people out there who do have, you know five six thousand gallon ponds the uh the chemical in there can actually help deter pests and deter uh can actually prove natural dewormer and almost hmm. like a healing uh sort of thing in the same way that uh growing mint or having mint in your like uh, aquariums can sometimes help with certain skin issues for your fish yeah but anyway cool. please proceed <laughs> <laughs> no no you're good They'll also use them for erosion control. Uh, we've, we've heard it from different stormwater management places or people that work in that 
kind of area that they'll use it for erosion control. The other type of erosion control that they'll use it for is places in like Connecticut or other beach areas, Louisiana. They'll actually bring in trees or fly in trees to different preserves or stuff like that. And they'll, they'll create like a, a place where the sand can get trapped in and then it'll naturally create dunes. And when they're covered, it's, it's going to biodegrade. Like it's going to go back into the earth. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing that I read, I, like I said, with Louisiana, they actually fly in trees and they use them to help create and hold back erosion. That's for awesome. for their land down there. That's, see, that's awesome. Yeah. Why would you not want to contribute to something like that? That just wows me. Yeah. I just, I love it. I love, I mean, something else that I really wanted to mention that I kind of completely forgot until just now. A lot of people will go, well, they're bad for the environment because you're cutting down forests. And no, I promise you, you're not cutting down a forest. There's also a lot of people who are like, well, I can't just, I just can't justify killing a tree. Well, can you justify eating corn? Can you justify eating beans? Can you justify eating? So first off, I can guarantee you, unless you are actually getting a license, which some, uh, some national do. parks yep. do offer yep. a license to go yep. cut down a wild or tree. Or the U.S. Forest Service. Yes. Um, in, in, in that situation, though, generally, you're doing them a favor. You're clearing out uh, what areas that need to be cleared out. So you're allowed a certain acreage, and you can go in there, you can find your evergreen tree, and cut it down, and they closely monitor that. Exactly. It's, it's, that's not where you're getting your Christmas trees yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. So, but your basic tree that you're going to go to either a cut your own place or you're going to go to like a nursery like ours where you get them. These are farmed trees. So it's really important to think of it as a crop. You are supporting a lot of times independent farmers because a lot of these are not corporate farms. They are independently owned and these are farmers looking to make money to subsidize like the low season. So you're supporting independent business. You're supporting American businesses. You're also supporting good land habits, good farming habits, and you're supporting a crop. Um, these trees That's super beneficial exactly to us. so these trees are grown to a certain size they're cut they're purchased by you and they get to live out essentially their destiny they have performed right. their niche in life which is the reason they were brought right you'll hear me say this here shortly several times but for the majority of these trees it's going to take seven seven to ten plus years to get to any sizable size. So you're talking in ten years it's probably only gonna be six or seven feet tall. Mm -hmm. And so when you're when they're cutting down anything taller than like seven feet, you're tacking on several years to it. This is a long haul process for these guys, especially the independent growers. Absolutely. Because it's it takes forever. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. so most of them, knowing that, they'll, every time one's cut from their property, they're planting three more in that place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just how wonderful is that? Just knowing that, hey, okay, yeah, you're, you're cut. You're in my house. You're covered in all sorts of gaudy shit. But look at all the benefit that went into raising this tree just for the environment, for the economy standpoint it's it's kind of a it's, it just really envelops what we think of as christmas right doing good onto others kind of thing i love that i love that so the next thing i have on here is mess and hassle i could guys oh guys the on. hassle is worth it it's so worth it it's so, so worth, worth it. it okay get your do yourself a favor i understand financially this might not for everyone but get yourself a tiny shop back get yourself a little your little like dirt devil whatnot and guys just once every couple days just a, a room 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 around it it's not that big a deal another thing that really stands out to me is if you buy your tree and it is losing that many needles that quickly chances are you probably need to buy your tree from someone else next year so yes do you lose needles yes do as later in the season happens yes but no, you should not be walking by your tree and seeing needles just completely collapse on the ground. Chances are your tree has not been in the most optimal storage after it was after it was cut and sold. Right. And so the the natural facts of that is guys, these 
these trees have typically been cut months before you even get them. Mm-hmm. Unless you're going to a, a farm where you get to cut your own down right there. It's being cut in like October. Yes. If not September. Yes, yes. Uh, but really, they're getting cut in October and then they're getting shipped wherever they're going. So as we record right now, your tree's already been cut. It's, it's already yeah. there unless you're going to a cut your own. It's- and and the trees that are coming from are coming to us next week. I'm sure are on the road somewhere. Oh yeah, I'm sure of it. Um, so I I forgot to write it down, but that really does tie into what I was just going to say. There's this myth that the longer you wait, the fresher your tree. And I cannot tell you enough that is false. Like big X. If I had a buzzer, I would press it right now. Like that was easy. Yeah, it would just be... No. No. All of the trees in the United States, if you were going to go to a nursery where they're already cut, freshly cut, they've been cut now for months, and they're all cut at the same time. We're talking like farms will go through and in probably a three days' time cut their... Their Their allotment. Yeah, for the season, yes. And and they are they are in grades, so you know you'll you'll have like the A's, the B's, and the C's, and so those all will be different prices based off of what yep. grade quality they are. Yep. But they all get cut at the same time. They all get cut at the same time, and so really, in a perfect world, you need you need to be out there like as soon as possible when you're ready to get that bad boy inside the house. You need to get her in. You need to go out to the nursery as soon as possible, as soon as they start putting trees out there. Those are actually going to be the trees that are in the best shape because those are the ones that are going to get water faster. Those are the ones you're going to be able to get home, get that fresh cut on it, get her in there and get her protected. Um, The longer you wait, you're actually getting an older tree that has been out in the elements, that has not been introduced to water. And I'll, I'll just highlight again, and you already said it. So when you're getting a tree that you haven't cut down yourself, whether that's from like the Boy Scouts or a different nurseries or wherever you're getting it from, if it's already been pre-cut, if you take it home, I mean, if you have a saw yourself, give it a fresh cut before you put it in the house and get it water. Yes. Um, if you don't have anything to cut it at home, get the nurseries to do it or get the, yeah. get the people to give it a fresh cut. Yes. You want, you want at least two inches off of the oh, bottom. Yeah. If, if, if not more. I, I prefer a six inch cut on mine. I think, you know, a lot of scabbing can happen above that. So I love at least a fresh six inch cut. If you are going to one of those like places where it's just on the side of the road and they or a grocery store, yeah, and they cannot give you a fresh cut, turn around, turn around, or be prepared to give yourself a fresh cut. But more than likely, nowadays there's there's everybody has Christmas trees. So if you're if you're going to spend the money on a fresh one, find a good one. Yeah, find a good one. A lot of times, nurseries will be able to tell you when this exact delivery came in going to be able to tell you the farm that this tree was purchased from i know our nursery actually keeps colored tags on ours that let us know hey this one's from canada hey this one's from pennsylvania what have you and we can at least give you like a distance it came from and let you know that hey this came on this date um so most in most reputable places are going to be able to give that a fresh cut for you and are going to let you keep your extra branches to make your own your own garland Stuff. They make nice things, nice and they stuff. just smell pretty. They smell so pretty. My girl over here, Mandy, she was harboring some trimmings. She was like, "Oh my gosh!" Did she- they all die at my house because I didn't do anything? Yeah. Oh, no, see, I, tied- I mean, I made one wreath, but I tied all mine. Yeah, mine right. just died outside in the patio. How sad. I mean, I loved it, <laughs> <laughs> but my but everybody else did not. No matter how what you're gonna do or how you're gonna do your trimmings, keep them. Yeah. Make wonderful decorations. Somebody will use them. Someone will use them. Even if it's for compost like Maddie. <laughs> That's right. Good compost. So yeah, so we have gone over the history, the myths, the care, the safety. Let's go over some trees, like in types of trees. There are many different types, more than what's on Maddie's list here, if you can believe it. Um, but before we go over the list, let's let's really quick. Okay, what's your favorite type of Christmas tree? Noble. A noble, noble that's, a, that's a good, that's a good tree. Um, good smelling tree. Either that or the Fraser, but definitely 
Well, I say that, but I forgot my real favorite. Go for it. <laughs> uh, the con color. Oh my god. Yeah. Those ones. I have never Guys, s- oh. they smell like oranges. I saw, I've never seen one, and you talk about it, and I'm oh. like... Is glorious. I, I want to like see one of if those. you could mix the glorious pine smell that we that we have come to love, and then a little bit of a hint of a zesty orange, and combine them. Oof. It's delightful. I think we need to advertise that. Like just that recording right there needs to go to the pine salt company. <laughs> okay, well I love pine salt. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Maybe this, that's our problem. I have a bucket of cleaner over there. I was supposed to be like cleaning my basement tonight before you came over. It's full of pine salt and oh, hot water. Oh. It's nice. Sold pine salt. Yeah. <laughs> so your favorite? Okay, my favorite. So the Nobles were beautiful last year, and I might attempt to have one of those this year. However, I got to go with old school Fraser fur. I love the tiny needles. I do. I don't like a long needle like tree. No. I don't like a Douglas. I don't like. I really don't even like the balsams that much. They just look funny to me. They look like a Christmas bush to me, and then on the inside they're like naked and don't like it. I love a good Fraser. Now, very specifically, though, I like a sparser tree, weirdly enough. So I like to have gaps in my trees because when I, when the manager and I lived in Europe, it's a very European style. They like their ornaments to sort of dangle. If my mom hasn't taught me anything else with Christmas trees, that like having having some good gaps for like your longer ornaments that need to hang. It's magical. Yeah. Yeah. That way you get the the inside and the outside right, of the right. tree decorated. Right. You got to layer. So you got to have your stuffers, which are your big fat ass ornaments that you just like stuff in there. You got to have your hangers, which are your more like traditional like balls or like your really iconic like ornaments. So like shaped stuff, right? Gotcha. And then you got to have your, dang- your, your danglers. Your danglers. Your danglers. So yeah, you, so, um. Danglers can be anything. Danglers can be like icicles, like your elongated. They could be tinsel. Tinsel's a dangler. Something Ooh, yeah. elongated that almost mimics that sort of icicle look to them. It's just ah, so mm. nice. So, so nice. That's nice. Anyway, so let's let's go over some of these fabulous trees. Yeah, so we got a sort of a short list, and then I have some fun tree facts about them, Wonder- per what? usual. I would expect nothing less from you. Yeah, really like- yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to start with the balsam fir. It has a dark green appearance, long-lasting needles, and it's an attractive form. It does retain a pleasing fragrance. This one typically takes 9 to 10 years in the field to produce a 6 to 7 foot tree, so this one's a little bit slower. These trees naturally occur in northern Alberta to Labrador and then south to Pennsylvania. The geographical distribution is larger than any other North American species for this, the balsam firs. I will say, so, like, the balsam does, in my opinion, other than that, like, orange citrus thing that I've never been able to smell yet, the balsams do have, they're not my favorite tree tree, but they do have the best smell, and it's the smell of my favorite brand of candles. So, the Times candles, that balsam fir smell... It is. It is it's lovely. So good, and it's why I spent ninety five dollars on a candle last year. <laughs> you did. You did. <laughs> uh, okay, so the balsam fir needles—they are broad, circular at the base, and then they're usually dark green on the upper surface, and then lighter green on the lower surface. They have two silvery stomatas underneath, and they all. This tree also has male and female flowers. Ooh. The needles generally form as two rows along the sides of the branch. The older branches, the needles tend to be shorter and curved upwards. The other cool thing about these is the bark, kind of like all the other ones, similarly. The balsam bark is thin, it's ash gray and smooth, and then it has many blisters on the tree, and these blisters contain that sticky resin. Oh, yeah. So typically, if you're if you're cutting trees and you, you notice all these little, little like, warts, if you will, but they look like pimples, uh-huh. I'm that kid who always just goes, boop, and then pops it, and then I have sap all over my hands for, Thanks like, Thanks for telling days. me about that, because now I'm going to want to, like, pop some tree pimples All the year. time. I do it all the time. I mean, I, no, I don't. Wait, no, pop, I don't. Stop. Why did you tell me about this? I thought you knew about no, it. Oh I my god. It's that. the best. You're you literally sit there and go boop and then the 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 resin oozes out. 
I am beside myself. We are oh popping my tree gosh. pimples. This oh year, my girl. gosh. Tree pimples. Um, okay, so the last cool f- couple cool facts about the Bossoms. The balm of the Bossom fur resin was used in the Civil War as an external application to the injuries in combat. Sometimes um, these are called blister pines because of the. The tree pimples. The tree pimples. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then. So this one, fun fact with uh, with some animals, we'll, we'll throw in there. Animals. So animals, animals. Uh, moose and white-tailed deer browse the foliage. White chickadees, porcupines, and squirrels browse the seeds oh, of this nice. of this plant. All right, moving on, we have the Douglas firs. <laughs> so these needles are soft, dark green, greenish blue. And they radiate in all directions from the branch. When these are crushed, they have a nice sweet fragrance. Their range is Central California, Western Oregon, and Washington. Parts of the Rockies, and then extend north to Alaska. Douglas fir is one of the stronger of the softwoods and widely used for structural purposes. That's what the wood is used for. I just want to I okay, you know what? I'm going to be negative, Nancy. Okay, I don't like the Douglases. I don't understand the allure of the Douglas. It is it is hard. Well, people do it because they buy them all the time, but it's just hard to hang ornaments yeah, on them. Yeah, their branches just are sad. They typically come in a shape that is just bush, not tree. And they're just fat. They look like big old Hershey Kiss. Yes. And mm-hmm. I don't like it. Yeah. And, and, and to each their own. A lot of but... times they're... Bu- no, they're ugly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I is like my least favorite. I all last year, and you know, it's when, it's kind of what was left over after all the good trees were gone. Yeah, the Douglas were still there. Yeah, that there. makes sense. I could see why they have the worst needle retention. Too, I it's mean, not great. Yeah, no, they just they just don't they don't look good. Half of them are bald on one side, and I I really want to say when people come to our nursery and buy a tree, I always try to make that experience magical, like. It's once a year, and people come in, and they're so happy. They found their perfect tree. The little kids are, like, all cheering and, like, running around this tree. And so every time, like, a customer comes up to me, like, we found our tree. And I follow them out there, and I go to grab it. And it's just, they they pick out this Douglas. And I'm like, oh, how pretty. Yeah. As, like, a million needles fall off. Yeah, as, like, a million needles fall off, and I carry it up, and (laughs) Maddie always sees my face, and she just laughs, because she's just like, you know, you could hide that better. (laughs) (laughs) But I do. I try to make it magical for every family, but I, God, I hate those trees. To each their own. No, they're ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so next we have the Fraser fur. Um, Some of the favorites. (laughs) The Fraser fir branches turn slightly upward. This one has good form, good needle retention, dark blue-green color in color for the needles. The Fraser fir was named for John Fraser, 1750 to 1811 is when he was around. He was a Scott botanist who explored the southern Appalachian Mountains in the late 18th century. That makes sense. The Scots know good trees. Yeah. And good whiskey. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, needles on this tree are flattened, dark green with a medial groove on the upper side and two broad silvery white bands on the lower surface. That was a mouthful. <laughs> on the lower branches, needles tend to be in two opposite rows. On the upper twigs, needles tend to curl upwards, forming that U-shape appearance. So you kind of see that tr- transitional curling up at the top. The red squirrels are the primary consumers of the seeds. Uh, The bark is usually grayish brown. Um, You got those thin resin. uh, You got a thin bark with the resin blisters on it. The more mature trees develop into a papery scale. This one, the Fraser, we've kind of already said it, but it's one of the most popular trees. North Carolina actually produces the majority of this variety, and then they ship it around. Our coworker Amber like that. Yeah, yeah, right? Um this one typically grows in an elevation higher than 4500 feet in the southern Appalachian Mountains from West Virginia to North Carolina. Wow. This tree is mostly and, and this is you know of course not out of, out of the scale of Christmas trees, but 
this tree is mostly used for pulp wood, um, and then basically because it's hard to get to them in the higher terrains. Oh, okay. So that, they, that they're not really going to use, no. they don't really use it for too much else. So the next one is the noble fir. These I do love a noble. They're so good. They're so pretty. And they smell lovely. They do. They really do. So these needles turn upward, exposing the lower branches. These ones are definitely known for the beauty. They have a long retention for the needles. They have stiff branches. A lot of the greenery is used for wreaths or garlands. So if you come if you come to our nursery, a lot of the custom made wreaths that we do, it uh, we use noble. Yes. Um, so they're they're just really nice and they smell good and they hold up. These trees younger in the bark, smooth again with the resin bubbles, changing to a brownish gray. So the needles here are four sided bluish green, but they appear silver because of the two rows of stomata on the underside. This is pretty cool. The nobles are native to the Siskiyou Mountains of Northern California. Oh, cool. I don't even know if I said that right, but I think I did. Uh, and Oregon and Washington. So this is a Northwest tree for sure. The popularity of it is definitely spreading. Its lumber is sometimes marketed as Oregon larch. Moderately strong, lightweight, and it's valued for its color and uniform green. That's really cool. I noticed the nobles do have that sort of European look too, where they're very tiered. So yeah. and it has those gaps for dangling ornaments. And yeah. I, yeah, I do love a noble. Second to last one and my favorite. Oh. So this is the con color fur, also known as the white fur. Small narrow needles occur in a row. They have good foliage color, good needle retention, and they have that wonderful aroma. Needles tend to be thicker and more curled on the lower branches, notched at the tip, bluish green when young, turning dull green with age, typically flat without stalks. This bark on the younger trees, also smooth gray, have those resin blisters, and then as it gets older, it turns reddish brown to a broken brown. And then they get those scales as they get older. Oh, very cool. So this one has the largest range of any commercial Western fur. It can be found in the Rockies to New Mexico and then all the way over to California and Oregon. So it has the largest range Why for any of the... Why have I not seen more of these then? I don't know. I think they're... It's... I, I want to say they're... They must be like a harder one to grow. The place where we got ours one time, they said they went and cut it from Pennsylvania. Oh, so, okay. I don't know. I think it's one that's not popular enough, so it's not worth it. Gotcha. Um, so, it's got to be, like, a different a different place. Get on my level, people. Like I know. Damn, so, this was interesting. So, oftentimes, the white fur, the con color fur, it's often used in cemeteries as a contrast to darker colored evergreens. Oh, I like that. Uh, the white fur... Wood is a light and soft. It's coarse grain, primarily used for pulpwood, lumber, or furniture. And then because it lacks an odor, it's used. it was used in the earlier times to contain or to hold butter. <laughs> I, thought that, I thought that was that really was funny. That was awesome. And then uh, the blacktail or the mule deer, they feed on the buds and the leaves in the winter. Yep. And then the porcupines will eat the bark. Very cool. All right. So the last one. If you're, if you're still hanging on with us, yeah, the on. last one, uh, this is the Nordman fur. It's super soft foliage. It's even shaped, glossy dark green needles. It has a, a whitish and a light blue underside because of the way the, the needles look. It's a bit more of a spacey appearance, tends, tends to be one. So if you're allergic to, to the evergreens or the pollen, the Nordman tends to be more hypoallergenic. These ones are native to Turkey, so this is why it's what? one of the most popular ones in the UK, so it's really got that, like, spacey look that yeah. you guys... Uh, this is one of the best that has the retention of the needles. Uh, one of the best. So I will just say, uh, as as kind of looking through, we knew all of these types, right, because we sell them, but there's several others. Some of the different cypresses, the, like the Leland cypress, a lot of people will use that in the south. You, of course, have the blue spruces, several different pines, or even the eastern red cedar. All all various options um, among the best. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of places, too, that will sell you big ball and burlap trees. Yeah. So you could be those people. If you're like, you know what? I want to keep my tree. 
So you buy you buy a tree, and then later after Christmas, you have the intention or the plans to then plant it in your yard, and then that'll continually be your Christmas tree. And that's also an option, especially if you go to a garden center. I know at our nursery we do sell like live evergreens for for that reason that people kind of want to have that outside of their house, or they want to kind of create a family memory by having uh, a tree that they can have inside and then, you know, plant outside. It's really cool. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the, the short list of all of our Christmas tree options. So that'll give you something to look forward to, do your homework on, figure out which ones you want, and then decide as a family, hey, are we going to go cut our own or are we going to go visit a nursery that has plenty of them? Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever it is you decide, you know, just remember there is no wrong way to celebrate. There is no wrong way to have a tree unless it's a Douglas. That's a wrong way. <laughs> oh, stop. You can do what you want, guys. <laughs> yeah, you can do what you want. Maybe. No, maybe. <laughs> no, no, no. Seriously, you can do what you want. Either way, just know that we appreciate you. Thanks for giving us kind of the best at this point. It'll be close to five months when this airs that we've been doing this, and it's been a wonderful experience. We do plan on keeping this up going through the winter. We're going to focus more on some houseplants, and I think Maddie's got a special blooper reel for you. Yeah, uh, stay tuned, stay yeah, tuned. That'll be fun. We got another road trip coming up soon. So we have plans in the future. So we we definitely appreciate you guys sticking around for this. Yeah. Especially some of these longer episodes. You can hit us up wherever you get your podcasts. Listen, email us. I will post our email again. I'll also post that website of where you can recycle your, your real trees if that's an uh, interest to you. Yeah. Catch us back next week, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. And from our home to yours, have yourself... Merry. Merry. Happy. Happy. Christmas. Christmas. And we love you guys. Plant Report out. <laughs>